You are listening to the University of Alabama BCM podcast. For more information, visit uabcm.com. So tonight, I hope you leave here with a story. Not one similar to that, but I hope you leave here with a story. I hope you learn something from my story. And the same, the same God that has worked in my life can work in your life tonight. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference who you are, what background you come from, what race you are. The same God that saved me can save you tonight and can, can work in your life tonight. Now, my testimony starts out like many of you young Baptist goers. You know, I was sitting in Sunday school, uh, you know, just sitting there, and I was sitting in the youth room. Uh, I was eight years old, and for some reason I thought I was cool enough to sit in the youth room, and I was sitting by this guy who was about 6'5", 420 pounds. He was a huge guy. And I was about four nothing, 80 pounds. So it was real, real intimidating. And, and the Sunday school teacher, she was sitting there. She was preaching the gospel that morning. She was sharing the gospel. She basically said, hey, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to spend eternity in hell. I was like, well, I don't want to do that. That sounds really scary. As an eight-year-old, I was scared out of my mind. So I was like, I don't want to do that. Well, the guy sitting down beside me, he was like, do you want to know Jesus? I was like, yeah, man, just don't eat me. I mean, I was scared to death. <laughs> so uh, uh, and as an eight-year-old and four foot nothing, this six five, four hundred pound guy asking me that. And he, he took me in the back room and started sharing the gospel with me. And at that moment I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I mean it was great. If I were to die the next day, I would spend eternity in heaven. That's wonderful. But the sad thing is, I was eight years old and I left Jesus Christ. I left him in that Sunday school room. I left him there. You see, you know, Jesus Christ, he was a part of my life, but he wasn't my entire life. Matthew six thirty three says this seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you as well. It doesn't say, you know, seek Him part of the time. It doesn't say put Him on the back burner. No. It says seek Him first. Put Him first. That was my problem. That was my issue. I wasn't seeking Him first. You know, I, was a, I mean, I was a good kid. I had two great godly parents that put me in church every time the doors were open. Anybody got parents like that? You know, it's great. Great and wonderful. But if that's all it's about, if He's just a part of your life, if He's just a part of your life on Sunday morning, Tuesday night at Discovery, or Wednesday night at your church, if that's all it is, then what are you living for? What are you, what, who is Jesus Christ in your life? If He's not first, then, then where is He? And where is He? And that was my issue. And, and life went on. And I got into middle school. Uh, you know, I usually speak to some middle schoolers and I tell them, hey, it gets a lot better from here, I promise. But uh, everyone remembers those weird, awkward middle school years. But in middle school, you know, I was getting okay at sports and I, and I was pretty good in school. So I thought I was a big shot. I thought I didn't need anything. You know, I didn't need to talk to anyone. I was trying to climb the ladder of social status, trying to gain popularity, trying to gain this and that, trying to gain this whole world in a sense. My own little eighth grade, seventh grade mind world I was trying to gain it. And Mark 8.36 says this, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? You know, see, my mind wasn't focused on the kingdom. My mind wasn't focused on Jesus Christ. All it was focused on was gaining something for myself. What does that verse say? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world? It profits you nothing. Now, I go around and speak a lot of places, and I talk to a lot of people. And people, you know, say, hey, it's cool that you played Alabama. It's cool that you've got two national championship reigns. I'm like, you know what is really cool, it's, it's fun, it's neat, but I look him in the eye and I say this. I say this, hey, you know, football and those championship rings are going to pass away, but my relationship with Jesus Christ will last forever. And that's so true in your life. Whatever you do, I, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do in your life, it's going to pass away. But your relationship with Jesus Christ 
will last forever. You can write that down. You can mark it down and live by it. Live by it every day. Know that. Because a lot of times we start living for this world. And what's this world going to do? This world's going to pass away. But what's not going to pass away? What's going to stay the same? It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, so that's, where I, that's where I am today. But where I was, it wasn't so pretty. Like I said, I was trying to gain this whole world. I was in a sense like the rich young ruler. Any of you ever heard that story? If you're a Baptist, we've all heard it. But if you have your Bible tonight, turn with me to Luke chapter 18, verses 18 through 29. We're going to be reading in there. Verse 18 says this. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. I want to go back to that word sell. I want you to highlight it, circle it, do whatever you have to do. We're going to come back to that. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I want to go back to that word sell. It says sell everything you have and give to the poor. Now I believe earnestly, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ did tell him to sell everything he had and give to the poor. I do believe that. I do. But I believe it's much deeper than just that. I believe Jesus Christ was calling him and telling him to say, hey, hey, sell out to me and see what I can do with your life. Sell out to me and see what I can do. Stop holding back. Stop holding back and sell out to me. And that same call that Jesus Christ is calling him to do, he's calling you and me today. He's calling you and me to say, hey, hey, sell out to me and see what I can do with your life. Stop holding on to this world. Stop holding on to this worldly stuff that's keeping you back from being the very best you can be. The very best you can be, not for yourself, but for Jesus Christ and others. For Jesus Christ and others. Stop, stop holding back and sell out. Sell out to Him. Sell out to Jesus Christ. Because if you don't do that, you're selling for less. You're settling for less. What, is, what does John 10, 10 say? It says this, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But what does the latter part of that verse say? It says this, I have come, Jesus Christ speaking, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Life to the full. He's saying that. He's not saying, hey, hey, don't live this mediocre life where you're just living for yourself. No. Hey, he's saying, sell out to me and live life more abundantly. John 10, 10. It goes right back that God didn't come. God didn't send his son, Jesus Christ, for you and for you and me just to just to go through life and just live for ourselves. No. He sent him so that we could live for him and live for others. And the moment we realize that this life is no longer about us and it's about others and it's about Jesus Christ is the moment we really start living. It's the moment we really start living. Now, I mean, you can continue to live life for yourself. You can continue to do this. You can continue to do that. But it's not about that. You'll just keep going through life and keep getting disappointed each and every time because this life is not about us. 
You know, I was very similar to the rich young ruler in, in so many ways. No, I wasn't rich, but I wasn't willing to sell out to Jesus Christ. I wasn't willing to give my all to Jesus Christ. I was living that mediocre life, you know. I was just going through the motions every single Sunday, every single Wednesday. Every single day I was just going through the motions, playing church. That's all I was doing. But God would soon change my life in a very crazy way. God would soon humble me and I would soon sell out to Him. It was April 1st, 2007. Just a normal Sunday. Uh, I remember my family and I, we were... Uh, like I said, we were in church every time the doors were open. So we sat on the pews. I had my brother Trent and TJ sitting right beside me. And uh, we went through church, sang the hymns. I was praying the church service would get over quickly so I could get home. I was, you know, I was ready to go home. But we did the church thing. We went, and I went home. I had no friends. You know, I was just a mediocre kid. And then TJ went to a birthday party. And my brother Trent went to a friend's house to fish and ride forwards and have a good time. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and now let me explain to you my relationship with Trent. You know, Trent, he is, you know, a year apart from me. Very, very close in age. So every little league team, every youth football team, every youth basketball team, we were teammates, best buds. But when we wanted to fight, we would fight. I mean, we were, we were brothers and a year apart, you know, we, we were ready to go at it. So one Christmas morning, um, we were about 10 or 11, one Christmas morning, uh, we, we got up, you know, we get up really early to go open the presents. And we got up really early, we started to open them. And Trent and I both opened one present at the same time. And we got boxing gloves. And uh, you can already tell this is not going to be pretty. It's not going to be good. Uh, two brothers that love to fight. And this particular Sunday just happened to be, my aunt had just remarried to a guy named Carl. And he, we, we were going to meet the new uncle today. You know, that, that was the plan. But before we got there, I had the bright idea. I was like, hey, let's go try these things out. Let's go see how, how these things work. So we went on the deck and we started boxing. Everything was great. You know, we're, we're punching each other. Everything was fine. Then all of a sudden, he rears back and busts my lip. I'm like, well, I can't let my younger brother, you know, outdo me. So I rear back and I punch him as hard as I can in the forehead, knock him out cold. I'm like, oh, man, it's Christmas morning. The new uncle's coming in like two hours, and my brother's knocked out cold. I was like, this is not good for me. This is not a good situation. So I start slapping him, trying to wake him up. He's not waking up. I grab him by the feet, and I drag him in the house, and I put him in the shower, and I turn on the cold water. He's still not waking up. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I killed him. I don't know what happened. It's, it's, it's not good. So he's not waking up, and finally, finally he wakes up. He's like, man, what happened? I was like, all right, so you and me do not get in trouble. I bit my lip, you ran into the pole, and that's the story we're going to stick to it. So, I mean, that's, that's the story we stuck with for a while. So that's my story of Trent and I. You know, we, we grew up, we were, we were best buds, but when we had to fight, we had a fight, and we were there for each other when we got in trouble. We, we, we had each other's back. But that was our, that was our relationship, our, our, our brotherhood, our friendship. But about 4 o'clock that day, on April April 1st, 2007, I started getting phone calls. I started getting text messages saying, hey, hey, what's wrong with Trent? What's going on? What's he done? Is he in trouble? You know, first thing I thought, he done blew up a mailbox or something. I mean, something crazy is going on. He, he, he got arrested. I didn't, I didn't know what had happened. Um, and I remember this day very vividly. I remember brushing my teeth and I was getting those text messages and mom says, hey, Taylor, will you, will you take out the trash? I was like, yes, ma'am, I'll do that. And so I, so I grabbed the trash bag and I took it out. And the friend's parents uh, that... That Trent went to to hang out with came driving up my driveway. They said, "Hey, hey, where's your dad?" I said, "He's at a deacon's meeting." And so they just drove off, and 
you know, I really didn't think much about it. You know, I was like, well, I just need to talk to my dad about something. And uh, so I walked back inside, start talking with my mom. Uh, and then about 10 minutes later, the deacons come in carrying my dad. And my dad has tears in his eyes. And I look at my dad and he looks at me. He says, Taylor, Trent's been killed. And that moment, my world came crashing down. My 12-year-old brother, my 12-year-old baby brother, my best friend, my teammate, just been killed. You see what had happened. You know, they were, they were fishing and they were having a good time. Uh, and they got on the four-wheelers. And uh, when they got on the four-wheelers, Trent went across the road and he got hit by an SUV. And it was going by 80 miles an hour and it killed him instantly. Just like that. Praise God, He knew Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. But at the same time, my world, this perfect life, so to speak, had everything together. This rich young ruler, so to speak, world came crashing down. Didn't really know where to go. Didn't really know where to turn. And I remember that night, thousands of people came in our house saying, hey, we love you. Hey, we're praying for you. It, they all meant well. But at the time, I was so heartbroken, so, so distraught about what happened, I didn't know what to do. And the next day would be very monumental in my walk with Christ. I remember just sitting in my room and uh, I had several of my friends in there with me. We were just talking and you know, they were trying to comfort me. And I just, I just remember this. I just remember breaking down and hitting my knees and crying out to Jesus Christ. I was saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. I'm, I'm, I'm done playing this game called church. I'm done going through the motions. I'm ready to sell out to you. I'm ready to give you everything I am. I'm, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of putting you on the back burner. I'm, I'm ready to put you first in my life. Because I realized at that moment that life is just a vapor. Because you always hear, it'll never happen to me. Well, it happened to me. It slapped me right in the face. I believed that all my life. I believed that lie all my life. That it would never happen to me. Something, something this tragic, something this bad would never happen to me. But it did. And life is like a vapor. And I said, I, life is way too short for me to keep living this mediocre life and not selling out to you, Lord. So at that moment, I, I cried out to Christ. And, you know, I was a Christian, yes. But at that moment, I really started living. In the worst days of my life, I really started living for Jesus Christ. Not for myself. No, for others in Jesus Christ. Yes, I have my bad days. I make mistakes. I mean, we're a human. But that doesn't mean that I don't give up and that I, that I give up an opportunity to give glory to Jesus Christ. Because you know what? We all have 24 hours in the, in the day. Each and every one of us. We do. We do. Because we're all given the same opportunities. We all are. What are you going to do with those hours to glorify Jesus Christ? What are you going to do? And whatever you do. You know, after, you know, after breaking down and crying out to Jesus Christ, it reminded me of the verses Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing in God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. I urge you, brothers, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Not dead sacrifices, no, but living sacrifices each and every day. So I ask you this question. What's holding you back from selling out to Jesus Christ? What is it? Because you know what? Life is just a vapor. Ladies, let me talk to you for just a moment. What is holding you back? Specifically the ladies. Is it, 
is the insecurities. Do you not feel good enough? Well, I'm here to tell you tonight that you are beautiful. You are good enough. Stop listening to what this world has to say about you. Stop listening to it. Stop comparing yourself to magazine ads. Stop comparing yourself to the girl next to you. No, and stop looking in the world's mirror and look into God's mirror and listen to what He has to say about you. Listen to what He has to say about you. Because you know what You know what God says about you? He says this. He says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He doesn't say, he doesn't say you have to look this way to be beautiful. No, He says you are fearfully and wonderfully made in Jesus Christ. So don't let that hold you back anymore. Fellas, I'm not going to call you beautiful. I just don't swing that way. But, <laughs> but I want to talk to you for a moment too. What's holding you back? What's holding you back from being the very best you can be for Jesus Christ? Is it, is it your pride? Or is, it, is it your pride? Are you feeling, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm a man. You know, I, I, can't, I can't be before my knees before Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't be weak. No, yes, you can. You can live this life for others. Don't, don't live this life for yourself. Because you know what? Step up and be the man of God you're called to be. Step up and be the leader of God, for God you're called to be. You know, we talk, we talk about leadership a lot. We learn about leadership a lot. You know, leadership doesn't start in front of 10,000 people speaking. It doesn't start on a football field. It doesn't, start, it doesn't even start right here. But you know where leadership starts? Leadership starts at the feet of Jesus. Leadership starts at the feet of Jesus. So fellas, get rid of your pride. Give it up. And hit your hands and knees and cry out to Jesus Christ. And sit at His feet and say, here I am. Use me. Well, the story doesn't start there. And I know it's a lot. I know that was a lot to take in in that little, that little passage. But it keeps going on. So uh, God keeps working. And, and then a few days after, after everything had happened, we're, about, we're getting ready to do the funeral. Um, and, you know, Miss Connie Hale, uh, she asked me, Taylor, would you be willing to speak at your brother's funeral? I was 14 at the time, uh, and I'd never spoken in front of anyone before in my life. Nervous as could be. There was like 2,500 people, 2,000 people at my brother's funeral. It was, it was nuts. It was crazy. I was like, yes, ma'am, I would. I, I, I'll do that. Just you know, to do something for my brother, I, I want to do that. Um, and that happened. And I, I remember getting a card in the mail, uh, and it had the verse on it. It had all this wonderful stuff. I mean, when I get cards for my birthday and stuff, I don't even read it. I just take the money out and put it in my pocket, and that's how I am. But, uh, you know, I was reading those cards and the only thing that stood out to me was a verse on, on the bottom. I didn't even remember who sent it to me. I just remembered the verse at the very end. And the verse said this, Romans 8, 28, For Christ works all things to the good of those who love Him. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Even the death of my brother, God works something good out of it. Now you're like, how in the world did God work something good out of that? Well, I said, like I told you, I was asked to speak at my brother's funeral. Um, and first time I ever spoke in front of anyone. And, and she asked me to share the gospel. I didn't know how to do that. You know, we're, go, we're going through Engage right now, learning what the gospel really is. It's really great. You, you need to go to it and you need to learn exactly what it is so you can be prepared to share it. When I was 14, I had no idea. So you know what I did? I took a track up there. And I just read off the track. Just read off it. And all of a sudden, my brother's funeral, his memorial service, turned into a worship service. Over 50 or 60 people came to know Christ at my brother's memorial service. My uncle that I thought would never come to know Jesus Christ came to know Him that day. And it was, it was amazing that God took something so tragic and worked something, something beautiful out of it. And you know, that's not the only thing where He's worked something good in my life. You know, we, we started the scholarship fund. 
In the past five to six years, we've given out over $100,000 to students all over the state of Alabama, Florida, all over the place. And it keeps growing. We started Converge, and I'm, I'm able to go speak to people about what's happened in my life. And, uh, and more recently uh, than not, uh, about four or five weeks ago, I had an appendicitis. Now that sounds like, oh, an appendicitis? That's not much. Well, I had an appendicitis. And, uh, and after the appendicitis, I, I went back for a follow-up appointment. And uh, he was like, because I was, I was wanting to get, cl- get cleared to come back and start working out with football and everything. Um, and the doctor was like, hey, uh, you know, we, we need to talk. This is, uh, this is something serious. I was like, are you kidding me? It's an appendicitis. I mean, how serious can it be? You took my appendix out. Everything's great, right? He's like, well, uh, what, what we found in your appendix, we found a, a tumor. Uh, and usually that's fine. Usually that's okay. But the tumor we found in your appendix was a slow-growing cancer. It's a slow-growing malignant tumor that we found in your appendix. I was like, it's out, right? It's great. Everything's fine. He's like, well, your tumor was bursting through your appendix into your colon wall. And about to hit the lymph, lymph nodes. And I was like, well, that does not sound good at all. I don't, I don't know anything about doc, medical stuff. And he's like, no, so you need to go see an oncologist. So I went and saw an oncologist. And uh, she's like, well, we're going to have to take the right part of your colon out, take all your lymph nodes out. I was like, awesome, this is great. <laughs> this couldn't get any better. Uh, and, you know, they took it out, and then and they, got, they got all the tumor, they got all the cancerous cells out, and so it was great. But it just shows that God does work good still in my life through difficult situations. Even in appendicitis, God was still working. And, you know, I can't comprehend that. But God had a plan through it. So that was just kind of what recently happened, just, just to show that God's still true to His Word. He wasn't just true then. He's still true today. And I promise you, this is the last part of the story. I know, I know this is a lot. I keep throwing so much at you. Well, keep opening up your brains. If we need to take a break, we will. I got another hour. I'm just kidding. I was like, I like I'm just kidding. But this is the last part of the story. And this is one of the most monumental parts of, of my life and, and my testimony about what God has done in my life. About uh, two or three weeks after my brother's death, uh, they brought back everything. They, they found in his pocket. They did the autopsy. They did, they did all, that, all that stuff. And um, he had a Snickers bar in his pocket. It was a little chunky. Nothing wrong with that. He had a Snickers bar. Uh, he had some airsoft BBs. You know those airsoft guns? You know, we used to tear each other up with those. He had a machine gun. I had a little pistol. It was not fair at all. Um, but, he, but he had those. But he had also in his pocket a card. And on that card, it had the phrase, never, never quit. And that phrase has become so monumental in my life. Not just, not just in sports, not just in school, but on my family. And with Christ, because when my brother was killed in that four-wheeler accident, I was brought to a crossroad. I was. I could either choose to trust God and follow God and continue and put Him first, or I could turn away and be done with God. Thankfully, God led me to uh, to choose to trust Him, and I did that. And it also had on the card Philippians three thirteen through fourteen. It says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. You keep going. Because you know what? The true character of a person is not shown when everything's going great.
But the true character of a man and woman is shown when their back's against the wall, when adversity is striking them at their, at, at their worst. Are you gonna, are you gonna lay down and quit? Or are you gonna stand up and keep pressing on and never, never quit? So, that's, that's where I've come from. That's what God has done in my life. And I want to encourage you to do two, two simple things. Two simple things. To sell out to Jesus Christ. Stop playing this game. Because why? Life is just a vapor. And secondly, I don't know what you're going through. Life is tough. People say, oh, life is just a you know, bag of roses. Everything's great. No, that's so not true. Life is tough. And whatever your situation is, I encourage you to never, never quit. I don't know what, you, what you're going through. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you're going through an illness. Maybe, you know, maybe your parents are going through a divorce. I don't know, I don't know what it may be. It's, it's the hardships of life that you and I both go through. But I encourage you to do this. I encourage you to never, never quit and see that light at the end of the tunnel. See that hope in Jesus Christ that I found in my darkest hour. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for tonight. And God, I just thank you for, uh, for who you are and God and, and what, you, what you're doing. God, I pray for each and every one of these students here tonight. God, they're here for a reason. God, I don't know that reason, but you do. But you do. And God, I pray that if there's someone here tonight that's saying, hey, I don't, I just feel like quitting. I just feel like giving up. Life is too hard. Life is too hard, and I don't see that light. God, I encourage you, I encourage, I hope you encourage them to never, never quit. And God, if they're just, you know, on the fence right now, and they're, they're having a tough time choosing, you know, hey, I want to live for the world, but I, I want to live for God as well. God, I encourage you to, to, to show them, to say, hey, sell out to me and see what I can do. Sell out to me. Stop playing church. Stop playing this game. And then we pray.